Hey, Breakthrough listeners, it's Jason Lowe and Peter Lount from episode number 107. At Ascendant Financial, mybankersvault.com, we specialize in teaching real estate investors across Canada the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. Do you also find it frustrating when it's difficult to access the financing you need or when the housing market moves against you? And when there's unexpected prolonged vacancy or expensive repairs, are you tired of transferring all that money away from you? We have the solution at mybankersvault.com. By becoming your own banker, anything that you are already doing financially, including real estate investing, is radically improved. Whether utilizing this process for down payments or for entire real estate purchases, becoming your own banker puts you in a position to control the repayment schedule on your loans while enhancing your overall returns. Whether you are brand new to real estate or a seasoned investor, we believe that ready access to money and financial control should be in your hands not the banks or a loan officer. We have an exclusive and irresistible package for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. If you want the best way to build and deploy capital, easier access to money, better returns, and less headaches, head on over to mybankersvault.com. That's mybankersvault.com. If you're looking for the skills and tools to succeed in real estate investing, you've come to the right place. This show is about breaking through barriers, breaking through limiting beliefs, and breaking through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Hello, and welcome everyone again. Glad you could make it join us today. Uh, we have another exciting show lined up for you. So we're, again, happy you could be here. So uh, first thing that everyone should remember to do is go over to our website, BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. There you can download all of the past shows that we've done over the past, I, I think Sandy mentioned that it was upwards of seven years now. But uh, yeah, so that's, it's been a, a crazy ride. we got lots of stuff there. And we try our best to keep everything relevant no matter when you listen to it. So, you know, hopefully you'll find some nuggets in some of those older shows. And uh, you can also pick up our free gift. Right, Sandy? The ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate. You can pick that up uh, on our website. Go download it. You'll also get it on our email list, of course. I never miss out on a show uh, through that. And that way, if your podcast platform's down or your phone's not working or something weird, you can always pick up the email somehow and, and figure out uh, how to listen to a show. And um, you'll also hear about all of our property tours, uh, seminars, anything else like that that we got going on. So jump on over there so you don't miss a beat. Yeah, I'm doing property tours every other week now. So um, if you sign up for that, you should be able to get on the list for for all those property tours. And uh, unfortunately, we're doing them virtually. So, you know, it, it's a little bit easier, I guess. It's not as much of a commitment. But uh, at the same time, it loses some of its feel. But you get the idea. You'll get a little bit of the education. And you'll see um, what some of the other investors are doing in the uh, areas that we invest in. Hey, you can you could go there from Vancouver, from Halifax, yeah, get it, get in on it. So that I think it's actually pretty cool. You can you can jump on in there in ways that you couldn't before. It's true. It's true. And uh, of course, everyone should go over to iTunes and uh, and leave us a rating and review. It really helps us out, guys. And I appreciate everyone that's done that so far. So um, it's it's definitely something that uh, Sandy and I appreciate a lot. And we read a lot of the reviews and stuff like that. We're not doing that today. 
Um, but we do appreciate them all. So thank you. <clears throat> What's new with you, Sandy? Well, we're we're uh, we're what Q uh, four almost here, twenty twenty uh, twenty. We're uh, the home stretch of the year, having fun with uh, finalizing some uh, goals and whatnots, and uh, you know just getting excited to kind of plan out the the next year, which might be a little different, hopefully, than twenty twenty has been all over the place, obviously. So, you know, we're gonna talk a bit about about that today on the financing side and what that looked like, but just you know, buying more properties, kind of, and. Uh, trying to secure great deals and helping others do the same kind of uh just managing all that and what that looked like this year but um yeah i don't know we're uh just the same old really buying some stuff and selling yeah. some stuff <laughs> yeah yeah um you know i i guess it's interesting how it becomes the same old for us which is great it's great but i think a lot of people you know maybe someone that's listening to this now maybe one day they'll find themselves saying the same thing because of the show and learn a little bit today and be able to keep on moving and keep on accelerating and building up their portfolios the way that they want to and not being held back like a lot of people are. So that's really one of the main goals of this show and what we always try to do. And I think for sure our guest today is going to be able to help them do that because even though uh, we'll, we'll get to, we got a, we got a really cool intro for you. Um, well, sure. But before we get into that, I, I just think that, um, you know, as much as you can help us on the uh, on the uh, financing side, you've also you're also um, able to really inspire and motivate and show people the the best way to go down these uh, investment paths. So I think we're going to have a really interesting conversation today. So welcome, Dion. Thank you very much, Rob. Hey, Sandy. Welcome. Hey, yeah, all the way. Uh, we're uh, back over 100 episodes ago. I think we last. Is that right? Yeah, I, so, I remember. Uh, I was on episode 23, so I was like. One of the first ones we've actually been on almost almost all or most of them right, actually in, in one way but but you haven't been with us live for a while that's true that's true but congratulations on the success of both of you sandy i just see everybody in the mckay network like you're just growing by like crazy so good on you thanks thanks um and yeah we've done some, <clears throat> done some stuff with you and uh, you know you're doing some awesome stuff i love the virtual um now virtual uh uh What's yeah, I missed the that. webinars. Yeah, I'm spitting on. I'm blanking on the name of the Path to the Good Life. All right. Yeah. Um, love seeing those. That's been cool. Uh, the virtual setup for that has got to be almost. Yeah, I can tell you. I was always resistant to go online with seminars because I, I feel, and I still feel that there's some importance in physically going out there and meeting people, and that'll still be part of what I will do going forward. Um, but the world hasn't allowed us to do that. And it's kind of forced me to go online like many people. And I've been very pleasantly surprised that people are still engaged, uh, still very interested and in turning out in the numbers of you know, hundreds of people attending these webinars at any given time. Because it, it seems like there's a lot of people out there who are interested in real estate, but they're just maybe a little bit scared and they just need a little bit of extra knowledge, which gives them confidence, you know, which moves them to action. So that's that's the whole purpose of the webinars that we present. Um, and I mentioned to you guys earlier, I've got another one coming up on um, Tuesday, October sixth. So hopefully, we can share that info with your your uh, your audience. Yeah, absolutely. And I love I love that you got your you're you're smarter than a lot of our guests. I guess you got your email right there in the in the in, in your name there. I that's figured it'd be easier. <laughs> smarter than us too. We don't have ours on there either. So there you go. I know it's genius. Wow. Smartest guy ever to come on the podcast. 
Well, in the, the smartest guy in this room right now for this minute. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. So we got an intro for you. So, uh, Sandy, you want to? There's a whole bunch of awards and stuff. I can get through a couple of them. I know okay. uh, I know. Uh, there's lots of credibility here to, to, to live up to for Dion here. So he's a multi-award winning mortgage professional, 15 years experience, property and finance world, um, involved in over half a billion dollars of real estate transactions. Uh, he is top 75 brokers for several years in all of Canada. Uh, formerly a financial advisor, so assisting people with wealth creation through property. Uh, I've done various amount of guest speaking gigs all across uh, Canada, Canadian real estate boards, um, to real estate agents, real estate investors. Spoken at Harvard University. Owns property in, what, three different continents, actually, or three different countries, at least. Canada, US, and Australia. Uh, is on a mission to show regular people how the right real estate portfolio can be a path to true wealth. And uh, most importantly, father of two, two young daughters. And uh, today he's excited, I guess, to be here, share with us about the current state of the market, financing world, uh, and talk a little bit about, I think, you know, what holds people back and how we can help maybe even the non-investors find a way to buy one, two, three properties and really change their life. So pumped up to have you here again, Dion, uh, and uh, welcome again. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, Dion, thanks for being here. Um, as you mentioned before, you were our guest back on episode 23. Um, that was a great show. Enjoyed it a lot. But for the newer listeners who didn't happen to hear that, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your how you got interested in real estate. Sure. Okay. So um, for those of you who don't know, my, my accent is from Australia because that's where I grew up. And um, if we go way back in Australia, uh, I graduated with a degree in international business. That's one of those ones back there. And um, with, uh, with that, I went and lived and worked in Japan for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, I was working for Canon cameras uh, in their international division. And uh, I speak Japanese as part of what I studied. So that was fun. But while I was in Japan, I bought my first house back in Australia. And then when I came back to Australia, um, I had saved very hard for the four years I worked in Japan. I came back with $20,000, which I thought was a lot of money for a 20-something-year-old. And then, um, but the house I had purchased had increased in value by $80,000 over the same period of time. And so I, at that point in my life, I kind of stopped and I, I had this pause and I said, hang on, I worked my butt off for four years, I saved 20 grand. And this one piece of real estate increased in value by 80 grand, four times more. So I said to myself, look, I have to go and explore this thing of real estate. This, this is just too interesting to ignore. And that's really when I dove into this idea of, wealth creation outside of just the nine to five like how how is it that um we can get ahead without just trying to save whatever's left over at the end of the month and so that really sort of got me into real estate uh in australia i held my real realtor's license as well as i became a financial planner and uh very few people in those two worlds mix those two things together but i was very lucky to work for a smaller sort of boutique financial planning firm which um, basically focused on that, focused on showing regular families that, yeah, you can invest in stocks and bonds and mutual funds, but there's also this thing called real estate. And if you wanted to look at real estate and look at the returns, the leverage possible, I mean, and I mean, I'm, I'm probably preaching to the converted crowd that you're listening to here, but the returns in real estate are in most cases four to five times greater just because of leverage. So the understanding of leverage was key. And I'm very happy I got exposed to that idea when I was in my 20s. And since then, I've just been continuing to build build my own wealth in real estate and 
basically show anybody who's willing to listen that maybe real estate is something that they should really consider. So my, my personal mission is to just take regular families who are just trying to do a little bit better and show them why real estate is something that they should include even as part of their portfolio. Uh, Dion, you're a very successful speaker and an agent with Butler Mortgage. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so what is the profile of the people that are coming into real estate now? Yeah, so it's it's mixed, but I can tell you that it's mostly people who have been investing in their traditional paths for a while. They have their RSPs, they have their RESPs for their children, mutual funds. Um, they're probably in their 40s or 50s, and they've done everything that they've, they were told to do, right? They, by their financial planners, by their parents, by their neighbors, they're doing their traditional path. But they've been investing long enough to know that if what they, what they continue to do is what they've only ever done, they're not going to reach the sort of financial freedom goals that they have for their future, right? It's, it's people who have been sort of disappointed and finally come to the realization that mutual funds may have a place in the world, but I need to do more. I need to jump onto a different trajectory so that instead of ending up with half a million dollars at the time of real at the time of retirement, they they want to aim for two to three million. And I see a lot of people come to me in their forties and fifties. They see the finish line. It's fifteen years away, twenty years away, and they do the math and they go, you know what? What I'm doing is not enough. And so they come to they come into real estate because they've heard that it's something that they should explore. Maybe they've listened to some podcasts or things like this, and they've just got a little bit of information to say, you know what, I want to start building this uh, this here. And I, I know a lot of people listening here to this podcast may own, you know, ten properties or plus plus, um, but the majority of our clients own come to us owning zero or maybe one or two that they've kind of and they don't know how they got there, and then they want to know, okay, if I want to make this a real thing, how do I how do I get an extra couple of million dollars worth of real estate today? Hold on to it manage it for the next 20 years and then you know come out the other side more successful and yeah most of them are just like look i'll give you an example i've got a client who came to me a couple years ago he's a janitor for the toronto district school board and he married a teacher at the toronto district school board right so regular family um they came to me they understood that they they, they paid off their house which was an achievement and uh but they knew that even that was not going to be enough so we, we explained what we could do for them. And in a matter of three years, they purchased six properties. You don't have to purchase six. They chose to purchase six. And uh, now they have a portfolio of around $4 million. And they're, they're happy. They know they can just manage that for the next 20 years. When they retire, they're likely going to have a portfolio with a net value of you know, $7 million plus. Right. So it's worth the uh, tenants and toilets headache is what you're saying. Because that's the biggest thing that a lot of people come to come, you know, that's the biggest issue that people can't seem to get over. Is that whole you know, Rob, you, you hit that right on the head there, right? People see the numbers. They go, oh, yeah, real estate, the numbers, yep, the numbers win because we can get an 80% loan. You know, you can't get an 80% loan to buy mutual funds. Not that I'm aware of. And I've asked that question in hundreds of rooms. Nobody's ever said, yes, Dion, you can get a loan secured against the mutual funds to buy mutual funds. Okay. I've never come across that. Right. But yes, we all know all day, every day, if, as long as you're qualified, you get an 80% loan to buy a property. Yeah. So the thing that people that stops people, it's not the numbers. The numbers don't lie. It's this idea 
that they're going to become slum lords. They're going to be dealing with, you know, people who are going to wreck their house and they don't want their evenings and weekends consumed by dealing with property issues, but more so um, interpersonal challenges with people, right? And I want to tell everybody that if I had to deal with those things, I would not be a property investor, right? The way I deal with those things is I choose to outsource those problems. Now, you may choose to self-manage your property and that's totally fine. But if what is stopping you from getting into real estate and jumping from 5% returns to 25% returns is the idea that you have to deal with people, then let me tell you this. In the world, there exist these things called professional property managers. And these professional property managers, and, and for, for those of you who don't know, they will advertise your property, collect all the applications, choose the, help you choose the best one, do the background checks, the credit checks, and all of that, tenant the property, collect the rent, and deal with all the maintenance. So if, if what, what is stopping you getting into real estate is the idea that you have to deal with tenants and deal with property, let me tell you that if you, if you are willing to pay to get to your 25% returns, then you don't have to deal with those things. And I would even go one step further. It's like, you know what? Just deal with the pain. Just deal with the pain for the first couple. What, what's it going to hurt you? Look at the returns you're talking about here. If that's not worth a little bit of work, then, you know, I don't know. What, what is, right? I mean, most people go to work and they break their back all day and they'll, and they'll make that 20 grand a year like you were talking about before. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I would even say that, first of all, I'm, I, I agree with you 100%. You know, I don't want to manage them either. Yeah. Right? So, but I have. And what I'm saying is that that was worth it at the time. Yeah. So I would encourage anybody out there. So look, so may, now instead of a 25% return, maybe it's a 20% return or maybe it's a exactly typical property management fees are about eight to 10%. Let's say. That's right. That's right. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. So now it's 15% return. That's still better than you're going to get anywhere else. Yes. But not even talking about the appreciation. Yeah. And you know, this the other point. Um, Property investment, guys, it doesn't have to be the best investment in the world, whatever you buy. Here, here's the goal. The goal is it simply has to do better than what you're currently doing, right? And what most Canadians are currently doing in mutual funds is around 5% a year. So if a real piece of real estate can return you 6 then that is better. But most, most pieces of real estate that I own, if I look back historically, especially over the last 10 years, have made me 40% per year. I'm sure you guys are 40%, 50% per year, depending on you know, the market you're in and the returns you're in. So when I say to people, 25% return, 20% return is real, I can say that from a position of confidence, right? Yeah, and especially, I mean, over the last couple of years, no one's got a crystal ball. And we said that right from the beginning, you know, when every time that I decided to make a move and purchase something, I didn't know what was going to happen next year, or the, right. year or the next year. I just decided, hey, this one looks great on paper. I'm going to take that chance and I'm going to do it, you know? Um, but yeah, like it's been a real ride the past couple of years and the returns have been insane. So you know, we don't have a crystal ball, but it could continue that way. Well, that's why you can talk about the, that's, that's the easiest, it's such an easy way to look at it is that you're getting whatever you're getting elsewhere, five, six, seven, maybe on a, you know, really someone doing pretty well. Um, it just needs to be better, right? It doesn't That's need it. to be a home run. doesn't need to be a grand slam deal. Those are great if you find them. Maybe if you're active in there, you might find one, you know, every couple of years or something. But 
a decent average property really doesn't even, and I know you could touch on this, really doesn't even need to cash flow necessarily month to month, depending on your situation. Obviously, cash flow is great, but you're already spending it on something else, right? So just reposition that money and the 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 difference is astronomical over a 10, 15 year period, right? Yeah. I mean, the the the, the simplest example I have is and is uh you know a lot of responsible parents out there would be getting their children RESP, education savings plan. And it's an it's an easy one to compare, right? So if you have kids or you know people with kids or anybody listening has grandkids, you probably are very familiar with an RESP. And um, I'll tell you the math around that and we'll compare it to real estate. So um, the way an RESP works is you can contribute around $200 a month into that vehicle and you do that for 20 years, right? And at the end of 20 years, you've invested around 48 grand of your own money. The government will match you to around $7,200. So you got like 55 grand invested for your child. And, you know, on all the scales I've ever seen, you know, you probably end up with somewhere between 80 to 100. So let's just say you'll end up with 100 grand to give your child at the end of 20 years. So that is what most responsible Canadian parents are doing for their children today. Okay. And I want to remind you, it's going to cost them $200 per month to do that. Right. Alternatively, or maybe in addition to this, Look at the purchase of an investment property at say 500 grand, right? And assuming a certain level of growth and the number I use is 5%. Again, like you guys say, there's no guarantees, but that's the historical average, 5% growth. Um, at the end of 20 years, the, the value of the assets increased and the debt load has reduced, right? So you, you basically, you buy this property for 500, you take on a, a total debt of 500 because you borrow everything, including the down payment. But over time, what happens is this, this gap happens, right? Property price increases, debt, debt load gets paid down. And the spread, the differential over 20 years is not 100 grand. It's $1.1 million. So we're talking a factor of 11 times more, chasing and assuming a 5% growth in the piece of real estate, right? Now, if that also costs you $200 a month in negative cash flow, then let's compare the apples to the apples. RESP, 200 bucks a month. Property, negative cash flow, $200 a month. The difference is 11 times. So I always joke, you know, if you, if you love your kids, buy them a house. If you don't really like them, just get them an RESP and it looks like you're doing something. <laughs> that's a huge difference, like massive difference, isn't it? Like that's a, that's a game changer for their life and their kids' life and generations probably potentially. Yeah. And again, it's just knowledge, right? This stuff isn't taught at school. All of us have gone, ha gone out and had to piece it together ourselves. We had to be seeking this information, right? And well, it's just, yeah. on top of what you were saying, Dion, is that, you know, most of the time I would say, you know, I, I agree with your comparison. I understand why you did it, but most of the time I would say there's not a property that I have steered one of my investor clients into that doesn't have positive cash flow. Mm -hmm. at least probably around $200 a month. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at it that way. The yeah, if you look at it that way, then it costs you nothing. Whereas the RESP, actually, well, the RESP will cost you 200 bucks a month in cash flow, right? Mm -hmm. So in your example, Rob, that household, that family would be better off by $400 a month over 20 years. So the cool thing about that 
is they can continue to live their life, go on holidays, go to restaurants, let their kids play hockey, even though it's expensive, right? And still grow this wealth by a factor of 11 times versus their next door neighbor who's doing the traditional thing, right? And so I think one of the, obviously the objection maybe to that comment would would go down the lines of, well, where do they get the money in the first place to buy that property, right? And so, you know, that's probably one of the maybe misconceptions or one of the, uh, the challenges up front, right. To make trigger that scenario to start happening. So what, what do you, what do you do in that scenario? What can you, what can you do to help people like that, that are just having trouble finding that initial, obviously a $500,000 uh, asset, you're going to need a hundred to. Yeah. Yeah. Start, okay, right? so let's break that down. And I will tell you that a, a lot of people, maybe people listening to this may know, but may not know. A lot of people come to me and they say, Dion, I, I live in an $800,000 house, um, but I got a $400,000 mortgage. There is no way, based on the fact that I have this $400,000 debt, there's no way that a bank's going to lend me more money to buy more property, right? And, and we, we have to break this down for people and explain to them how this all works, right? So I'll, use, I'll just run with this example, if that works for you guys. So um, the first thing you need to know is that if you have equity and you have good income, then in most cases, we are able to in that scenario there, borrow more money to buy more property. And so uh, I'll give you some quick numbers. If a property is worth 800,000, if you live in a house today that's worth 800,000, then a bank will lend you 80% of that number, which is 640, okay? If you've got a mortgage of 400, it means you've got capacity of an extra 240 to tap into. A bank won't lend you 100% of your property, they'll lend you 80%. So in this example, you got a 400K mortgage, you can also get a 240K line of credit. Okay, so let's just assume that's doable. And of course, for that to be doable, you have to earn a certain level of income because we can't just borrow money because of the equity. We have to prove that we could repay that monthly payment. And the, the quick math on that is, as long as your household income is around 120 grand, and that's usually achievable for a double income family, then everything I just discussed there is, is possible, okay? So um, let's assume that you go get this line of credit on your first home or access some equity. So that's component number one, access your down payment. Then step number two is to go and find a property. And uh, let's say we're using a, a $500,000 purchase price, okay? So at, at $500,000, um, we're looking at uh, a required down payment of 20%. So I, I want to get clear on this point. Uh, every week I have people call me say, Dion, I've been told 30%, 35% down required for a purchase on a rental property. And almost always these people have spoken to somebody at their bank branch who doesn't deal in an investment property every day, right? And they've just read the textbook and, you know, they'll deal with 20 mortgage people, uh, mortgage inquiries this week, but maybe one of them was for investment property. And so they just give the textbook answer. It's 35% you're going to need. But the reality is, as long as you're dealing with, a, in particular, a broker who has access to multiple lenders, um, you'll, you'll, you'll quickly learn that 20% down is normal. It is standard. It is not outside of the box. It's well and truly within the guidelines. It's just that a lot of people, even people who work at branches, aren't aware of this, right? So 20% down is doable. We're buying for 500, we need 100 grand down, right? 
Let's keep in mind too, that's closing costs and land transfer tax. You need 110 ballpark. Um, so we've got that because we've got the line of credit for 240. So we've got more than enough for the down payment. But now the question is, well, Dion, we, we've got to buy this property. We've got the down payment, but now we have to borrow another $400,000. How is this possible? I've already got 400 grand plus a line of credit on my house. How is this possible? And it's possible because the lenders all lenders recognize rental income from the property you're about to buy. And so if, uh, if we can demonstrate that the property you're buying uh, is going to rent for, let's just call it $2,500, and the cost of monthly running of the property is $2,000, then in that type of scenario, we very well may be able to demonstrate that that property is a, a self-sustaining business unit. Monthly expense is lower than monthly revenue, and as such, we can go off and buy that. That's that's what the bank looks at. And this is how you see people buy multiple properties. It's not because they make millions of dollars on their salary. It's because they buy the right type of property where we can demonstrate to the bank that the expense is lower than the revenue. And, and we duplicate, triplicate, and so on, and so on. And so for this example, just to round it off, this family and this example that I've given you has 240 grand line of credit they have enough for the down payment on at least two of these types of properties. And so many people come to us saying, Dion, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to be able to borrow more money to buy property. And that very same year, they own two rental properties in addition to their principal residence. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say that. I was super pumped for them when you said the 240. I was like, they can buy two. Yeah. Oh, man. They're, they're lined up. I'm really happy for these people. <laughs> and, you know, I'll tell you, there's so many people who come to us that way, Rob. And, you know, I know, we all love talking about these massive portfolios of 10 or 20 properties. But I will tell you that just one extra property owned for a period of 20 years has the ability to impact your personal net worth by more than a million dollars. So don't, don't get in your mind that, oh, I can't get in the property because I can't buy 10. Just get one. See how that works out, and when it works out, and the sky doesn't fall in, uh, you'll buy more. But just just start with the one, and then go from there. Well, on that note, it's sort of twofold. It's almost like it's almost there was two things that I think that you got to take into account there for that person in the example that was coming to you. One is is well, really lack of knowledge, and the other is a mindset that there's no way that I can do something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So. On that note, let's discuss the big things that you see stop people from actually getting started. There's other things, right? For sure, for sure. I mean, we all make up these stories in our mind about you know giving ourselves reasons as to why we can't do something, right? Now, um, what I've found is that there's about five or six things that people really need to get their head around um, in order for them to feel a certain level of confidence. So I know that... I don't do anything in my life unless I feel confident in what I'm doing. And, and confidence leads to action. So if action is the goal, we need confidence to take action. Well, how do we get the confidence? It just comes down to this one thing called knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. If we are ignorant or we feel that we, we don't have the enough information or knowledge about a particular thing, then it is on us to get the knowledge to then get the confidence to take action, right? So um, to that end, you know, th there's a couple of things that you need to, to know about this. So in terms of real estate, number one, I, I like to start with the idea of goals, right? 
because a lot of people just want to make money. And I want to let you know, most people don't get into real estate just because, you know, they, they, they like the idea of owning property. It's because of some other bigger goal. And I think, I think that if people are not clear on why the hell they're doing this, right, then they're not going to take action, right? And it, this comes down to sort of this idea of your future self, right? Uh, people who invest for 5 or 10 or 20 years from now have a very clear image of who they are 5 or 10 or 20 years from now. And it's kind of hard for a lot of people to do this. And in fact, let, let me just, I'll go sidetrack here for a second, but um, you mentioned earlier, I spoke at Harvard University last year, and it wasn't actually on the topic of, uh, of investment. It was on the topic of, um, yeah, de uh, delayed gratification and your best future self. So let me, let me tell you about this interesting study. They put some people into an fMRI machine and they asked them three questions. The first question was, imagine yourself. And so a part of their brain lit up. The next question was, imagine a stranger. And in that case, a different part of their brain lit up. Okay, you're imagining two different things. The third question was, imagine your future self. And in the majority of people, the stranger part of their brain lit up. So what this means is that when people think about themselves in the future, they can't really connect it to who they are today. And if you don't have that connection and you're asking yourself to do things to help your future self, but that future self was a stranger, then why would you do that? Like, Rob, why would you get out of bed at five o'clock in the morning and go to the gym if it was only helping a stranger, right? People who do that, do that because they have, they have a connection between who they are now and who they are in the future, right? So I find that people really need to get clear on their goals about their future and link who they are now to their future. So that's, it's a bit sidetracked, but I want you to know that's a huge thing. I think the majority of the people that you guys work with, you're working with people who are very clear on who they're going to be in their future 10, 20 years from now and what path they need to get on. So that's, that's a big one. So getting clear on those goals. And then once you're clear on the goals, here's, here's what you need to know in real estate. You need to know who you can trust, where to buy, what to buy, and property management around it. And uh, also, potentially, if you don't have the cash or the borrowing capacity, how to engage partners in order to do these things. So, um, yeah, I mean, I know you guys talk a lot about this stuff, but if you like, we can expand on it or... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it it's all going to it's all going to turn into one big ball of uh info that people can grab onto, right? So Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> sure. So, I mean, let's start with the right people, right? Um I, as I said to you, this stuff's not taught in school. Uh and so if you want to get into real estate, it's really up to you to find the right people who, and, and, and you know this, in our industry, there are a lot of people who are very good salespeople and they'll win multiple awards for their transaction volume. But those same people are not necessarily investors themselves or understand investment property. And so the, the challenging thing for the regular consumer out there is, okay, if I need, if I want to get in, into investment property, who do I trust? Who do I, how do I find realtors, mortgage brokers, insurance professionals, uh, property managers who know how to deal with investors? And so the one thing you need to know is that if you find one or two, two key people, a good realtor, a good mortgage broker, they in turn should be able to introduce you to the other people in the network that you're going to need. 
So what's important is find the right person. How do you find them? Well, there's two realtors on this podcast you could probably reach out to. Um, but yeah, find, find a key person that you can trust. And then look, you know, Google them, find the references, make sure that they're legit and they know investment property. So that's, you know, who to work with. In terms of where to buy, okay, um, where's better, guys? Uh, Hamilton or Oshawa? Hamilton. I'm going to step back and let you find <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously, I would say that, you know, you got to look at your numbers. And if you're and if you're satisfied with the numbers that you – I would say the important thing is, like you said, a goal, right? So if your goal is a certain return, it doesn't matter if it's in Hamilton or Oshawa – or Peterborough or Guelph or wherever the hell it might be. It only matters that you're able to get that return buying that property. And if you can do that, it doesn't matter where it is. That's my opinion. Well, especially if you're property management and everything in place and leveraging it in that sense, you're really, you can buy property anywhere and not ever, ever really needed to go there. As long as the, you know, you're trusting in, in the right people, obviously is, is the starting point there for sure. I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure Rob and I were saying we get people from all over the place, right? They don't necessarily live in the same province or country even, right? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's um, you know, Dion's, you got property in Australia. Yeah. That's not exactly around the corner. Right. Um, how the heck can you do that? Well, it's property management, the right trust and the right people. Uh, and just, you know, it, it does help to if it's around the corner. It probably makes it a little easier to, um, to take action, I would say. But ultimately, yeah. ultimately... <clears throat> Really I have a couple of properties that are a seven minute drive from where I live. I can honestly say I haven't driven past them in a year. <laughs> I just know that they're there. <laughs> Those first timers, they really do like to be able to drive by and go, look, that's my house. You know, same picture is one thing, but I do think that for most first timers, there is like as much as people like to say, you know, I do this for my bigger goal. I think that there is something in that uh, the pride of ownership, really, of an asset like that, that you can actually walk up and touch. You know, it, it isn't uh, it isn't an RESP or something that's really just exists on paper. Yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to finances and motivation, I think there's two key components. One is cash flow, you know, the ability to to know that there's money on a monthly basis. And the other thing is just this sense of security, right? This knowledge that, you know, let's say we go back to this $500,000 piece of real estate. If the property market increases in value by 5% that year, then the property's gone from 500 to 525 grand. That's just an appreciation, right? And that's, if you break that down monthly, that's over $2,000 a month. That family's personal net worth is increasing at a rate of $2,000 a month based on just appreciation. Now throw into that principal pay down, the fact that every month you're collecting rent and paying down your mortgage, it's actually closer to 35, 36 grand a year. So it's in most cases, the acquisition of one piece of real estate gives, gives you three grand a month, three grand a month in personal net worth gained every month. If you get three properties, guys, you're looking at nine grand a month. It's and, as simple as that. And I don't want to go off on a super huge tangent here, but a lot of times like we're looking at something where we can force that appreciation right off the start to begin with as well. So, and then we're, we're also increasing our rental income, uh, which goes hand in hand with that. So, I mean, I can honestly say that 
in most cases, anything that I purchased, let's say four to five years ago is literally doubled in value in the yep. market that we've been in over that past time. So it's interesting to say that Rob, because that has happened when we make plans for our clients, we, we, we make it a 15 year timeline, right? So, um, yes, property has doubled in five years, especially if you're doing some forced appreciation, it's doubling in five years. Um, but if we look at that 5% number that I was referring to earlier, uh, 5% uh, means that property prices and, and your investor, your listeners should look up if they don't know, it should look up the rule of 72, which explains how long it takes for an asset to double in value, depending on the rate of return. At 5%, assets double in 14.4 years. So we'll call it 15. So at 5%, I always say, look, if you've got a 15-year horizon and you're willing to hang in there for that period of time on one piece of real estate and it's worth 500K today, it should very well be worth a million in 15 years. Right. So for, I mean, the numbers are, are kind of mind-blowing, but I think that it's also a very forgiving asset too. We can go through some ups and downs. As long as you can keep that tenant in there and the tenant pays, then you can ride those things out. Yeah, so look, we were up on the checklist there of where to buy. So I think where to buy is really about where to buy and what to buy kind of go together, right? Because, you know, could you buy a, a downtown duplex in Toronto that's going to cash flow day one? Maybe. In fact, I had a client just do that, but it was like a, a needle in a haystack, right? Whereas in the outer suburbs where you guys work, um, you know, you can find these properties uh, fair. Well, you know, you still have to work hard, but there, there are more of them. Um, you still have to pick the best of the bunch, though. Mm -hmm. Have you been finding it um, a little harder in today's market? Well, I mean, every it seems to get increasingly harder, but it's always it's also a fact of getting anchored in something that you were seeing before. Right. So. You know, um, a couple of years ago, so we recently started going up to the Peterborough market and let's just use this for an example. About three years ago, you could buy a regular bungalow for about $320,000. It's a no brainer all day long. It still is. But now you, we're probably looking at about a $420,000 purchase price instead, just in the, in the past three years. Three years, yeah. So those same people that you're working with or even somebody newer coming in, it's really hard even from my own perspective to understand that not to understand it, but to, I'm still wanting to find that same property that I found three years ago for these people. Right. Because I'm always trying to work as hard as I can to get some in the best returns and the best possible property that they can get into. So I, I think that that is one of the keys that we also need to talk about as well Is it's, it's, the best time to buy property was 20 years ago. This next best time is today. That's there, right. There's never going to be a better time than today. Well, you get fixated on that, right? You get used to that that return. You got it's just like everything is everything's changing in the world all, all the time, right? You got to be able to pivot a little bit, be able to adjust your uh, criteria a little bit with the times. But it's the rental rates have gone up like crazy too, right? So it's not like the you know, maybe sometimes depending where you're sometimes at the same level, sometimes not, but it's, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, in our market here, it's been tougher to find that you can still find a single family home that cash flows positive month to month. It's, 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 it's more challenging. You're into some, not the, as great of an area as you would have been 10 years ago. 
10 years ago, you could have bought in like a premium area yeah. <laughs> that cash flowed single family home with a positive cash flow, which is incredible. Um, you should have bought, everyone should have bought more homes 10 years ago. It's the same thing. It's going to be the, the same truth 10 years from now, most likely. Right. So, uh, you got to take action now is no real better time, uh, other than the past, which we can't change. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm stealing a, this quote from Mark Loeffler. I believe I'm paraphrasing it somewhat, but you know, if I look back, I might have paid a little bit too much for some of the properties I bought, maybe a little bit, but I swear if I, if I sh like, if we examine those properties and where it's got me to today, I look like a genius. Exactly. Well, I know for I know for sure 2017 we bought a bunch in the early spring 2017 right hottest market up until probably today um you could easily look back a year after that and say oh we overpaid for sure for those I'm not I'm pretty happy we bought them because you have properties there that if I'd rather not I'd rather have done that than take a year off and not have gotten into the market right getting in the market's the biggest thing and staying in there yeah agreed and guys like so many times I meet I talk to people and you know, they, they've been waiting for the, the right time, right? They're, they're waiting for, in particular, in recent history, they're waiting for 2009 to happen again, right? And so they've literally been sitting on the sidelines for 10 years. And in this last 10 years, while they're trying to time the market, if they had just got in in 2010, then they would literally have half a mil, one mil in extra net worth today. And again, my goal is to just give people enough knowledge, enough confidence to get off the sideline and get on the playing field, right? Just get on the playing field. Just do what you can with the information you have, trusting in a team of people that uh, allows you to be on the playing field and ride it for the next 10 years. Don't, don't wait another 10 years <laughs> and, and then try to try then, right? You got you to gotta start now. So you mentioned, like, we talked about the power of just having one extra income property, right? So in your experience, let's take that average household that you were talking about before. Sure. What is their limit? Like, if we're talking about a $500,000 purchase price, let's say, for each property, we're going to use the exact same examples that you've done. What yep. can these people actually do? Uh, well, in that example, these people are just really limited to their down payment capacity, right? People tend to run out of down payment before they run out of the ability to qualify for more property. Okay, so well, let's go back to this example. This family had access to 240 grand. To buy one piece of real estate, they need 100 grand down, plus closing costs, 110. So they could do this two times. They would have, they would have deployed 220,000 of their 240,000 capacity. And uh, so now they're out of they're out of the ability to you know raise capital. So <clears throat> what will happen in this this scenario is that either we have to wait for several years for equity to build, at which time we can refinance, access more equity, and then go again. And there's nothing wrong with that. For other people who get into it and they get the the understanding behind this what they will do is they'll now take their knowledge and their recent experience in real estate and start talking to their network of people, right? Because as much as, you know, one year ago, two years ago, these people didn't own any property. Well, now they own two. And in their circle of friends, they're likely the only family who owns an investment property, especially two properties. And so what happens is their, their circle of friends now turn to them as the expert, right? 
because an expert is somebody who knows a little bit more than me. <laughs> They're a couple of steps ahead of me. And these people will often partner with their friends who are a little bit scared to get into real estate and go, look, I don't know about who to trust or where to buy or what to buy, how to run the numbers, how to qualify for a mortgage or any of that. Um, if you're willing to help me, then we'll go that way. So these people who are now tapped out of their own working capital now joint venture with partners. And that's a, that's a, I've seen that being the, the next logical step for a lot of people who hit that capacity in terms of, you know, down payment wall. Mm -hmm. What about partnering with someone who's buying their first property? Because I've, uh, that question comes up a lot. How do you deal with something like that? Can it, be, yeah. can it be looked at as a rental property or not? Yeah. So I'm actually right now helping a brother, two brothers, one brother is established a little bit older, got a family and uh, his brother, the younger brother is buying his first home. So they've got together and you know, the, the brother could go buy a condo or a small townhouse or whatever, but they've decided that together, the older brother is going to help the younger brother buy uh, a duplex type type property. And so by doing that that way, uh, and you know, both chipping in for the down payment, mortgage qualifying, whatever, um, they're both going to benefit from the upside of buying a better property that has the ability to cash flow, right? So, so there's lots of different ways to sort of partner up with those types of scenarios. Uh, but yeah, I've seen that multiple times over the years. Yeah, because that could be somebody's challenge listening, right? It's like not like they have something to tap into, but they're uh, but they want to get into something like this. And yeah, like I mean, I've heard of that lots of times. Especially, I mean, here's a here's a pretty popular one. Like people going to people going to college. They say, why am I going to pay somebody else to live in their house? Let's buy a house. I'll rent it to my friends and we'll all live there. And, uh, and, and afterwards we can keep it as a student rental. You know, that's a pretty popular choice as well. Somebody yeah. I see lots of parents doing that for their children. They're looking at, you know, seven grand a year in outlay for housing or whatever it is. Um, they're like, well, why don't we flip that, you know, make some money. They're at school for three years. And at the end of three years, they sell the property. Yeah. That's what we found here in Hampton. A lot of is, uh, we, it's hard to compete actually with those people in, as a regular investor now, because we're always looking for the nice deals and the student rentals are tough because it's uh, the average family's coming in and paying you know, what they're probably worth anyways. But the, the market's gone up quite a bit because you don't necessarily need to feel like you're cash flowing like crazy with your, your, it's your a different own, your own right? yeah, yeah, your own child's living there, managing it and stuff, right? You're paying, you were going to be paying out of pocket anyways or something. Exactly. Um, so it's interesting how that's affected the market. I think that's, I mean, it's a great strategy. Why not do that? Yep. Um, it's affected it for the rest of us a little bit, but that's okay. That's all right. I think there's enough to go around. <laughs> So um, there's lots to go around, even though the inventory is, yeah, inventory is very tight as always at pretty much anywhere in Canada, probably anywhere in North America, but, um, but there's still lots to go around. There still is, um, there's room in the market for sure. So, uh, Dion, can you tell us about the, um, the new program you've got going here? The invest, the investment property springboard. What's that all about? Yeah, sure. So, you know, for many years I've been teaching, um, mostly at real estate boards, uh, real estate coaching companies, mortgage coaching companies. I've been teaching real estate professionals on the idea of property investment. But in, in more recent years, you know, clients have always said to me, Dion, I wish my family knew about this. I wish my friends knew more about this. And, you know, these are coming from people who, like many listeners here, 
probably have been really seeking this info for five years plus. So they know they know real estate. They understand it inside and out. But there's a lot of people out there who just need the basic info um, in order to give them that confidence to take action in real estate. So I decided this year that um, I would create a course to help those people who are sitting on the sidelines get onto the playing field. I'm like, this is, again, this is my mission, just to get more people into ownership of real estate, even if it's just one. And so this year, uh, I created this course specifically for brand new investors who own zero investment property or investors who own like one or two properties and they just don't know how they got there maybe and they, they want to know how to take their best next steps so that they can move forward into, into real estate a bit more purposefully, a bit more uh, maybe precisely buying the right type of properties. In particular, I get a lot of people come to me and they've bought pre-construction properties uh, you know, um, uh, years ago, they were fortunate that they bought in uh, a rising market and then the rents kind of covered. But they understand now that that's really not investing, it's speculating, right? It's gambling. And so I'm trying to take those people and then help them grow in the right direction. So uh, basically, this is the course that I've created. It's called the Investment Property Springboard. Uh, it's a five-week online course uh, where we cover those exact topics that we just discussed here in terms of, you know, getting your goal setting right, you know, the right people, where and what to buy, how to run the numbers, and so how to develop joint venture uh, partnerships. So that's that's what I've been doing for the last uh, little while. And um, I'm happy to say that, you know, the first participants in the course have come out. Uh, well, one of them had been in, an investor 20 years but felt stuck. And as soon as the course was completed, she went out and bought two properties, the right type of properties, because she knew what she had to do, right? Another guy, younger guy, personal trainer, just starting out, um, felt stuck because he was out of working capital. And he, he finally had the confidence now to go and talk to his family about where to buy and what to buy. He now became the expert, and he's gone and done two joint ventures in the weeks since the completion of the course. So I'm, I'm really quite proud of the fact that this course is having the impact that I, I desired. And um, that course is available for anybody who's interested. Um, you can, my email address, as you know, is in the box there under my name and you can reach out to me there. Awesome. Right, so, so info at dionbag.com is the, is the, is the oh, easy yeah. way to figure it out for our listeners, for our listeners. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And the, the link will be in the show notes as always, but info at dionbag.com. Right. Great. Um, okay. So we spoke of the current state of the market a little bit. Let's talk about what you think is in store for the future as far as uh, financing and lending is concerned. Give me one second. I'm going to grab something. So <clears throat> this is a magazine. Um, probably people know this magazine, Toronto Life. Magazine. Oh, yes, you got the magazine. I was yeah, yeah. I, I was hoping you would talk on this one. Perfect. Yeah. So I when when this came out, I bought. I think I got ten of them in the corner there. So um, basically, this this came out in 2016, 17, uh, 2016. It was their 50 year anniversary, right? And it was kind of cool because what it did is it looked back 50 years to see the state of the world 50 years ago, and then it projected forwards 50 years based on the last 50, what's going to happen in the next 50, right? And so, you know, without going in, well, without having to read the whole thing, here's the story. In 50 years from now, and this is, this is not for our children, but probably for our grandchildren, you know, how the impact will be. The average house in Toronto is, is you know, based, based on history, should be going at around $4.4 million, right? 
So if that's the reality for the future, you would hope that wages would be increasing uh, to the same level, right? The problem is that with automation uh, and, and other factors, and based on historical wage growth, the income 50 years from now is, let me just make sure I get this right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna show you this number. This is the projected income of a regular Canadian 50 years from now, $56,000, right? Now, even if they're wrong by a factor of two, let's say they're, it should be a hundred grand. How does a person who makes a hundred grand buy a house worth 4.4 million? It just it doesn't, doesn't work, right? And so here, here's what, I'm gonna tell you what you already know. It's that this, uh, this middle class, that most people have grown up with, whereby you know if you if you if you work hard, you send your kids to school, they get a good job, then your kids can live the life that you lived. Mm-hmm. Your white picket fence in the suburbs, vacations to Florida and Disneyland, right? That type of future that people just have assumed would be possible for their children, I don't think is a reality. I think that we. We, we, we people who are of age and have the ability to go and build wealth today, we have this obligation, right? It's no longer enough for me to get my kids a good education and hope they get a good job. It's not enough. If they're going to be entering a world where, you know, in 15 years from now, the average house price won't be $4 million, but it'll likely be $2 million, right? If, I, if they're going to be entering that world, then I actually have to take action today to create wealth for them. And if you want an example of this, just jump on an airplane when you can and fly to New York City. Walk around there and ask yourself this question, how in the world do people afford these properties? And the answer is the people who own those properties didn't buy it with their own money. They bought it with their family's money. And Toronto is heading in that direction. Now, yeah, we we, we can talk about the outer suburbs, But trust me when I say they're going to be impacted, maybe not to the same dollar value, but maybe by the same percentage value. They're starting from a lower price point, so they'll end up at a slightly lower price point. But if things go at the continued pace that they are going, and keep in mind what this fueled by, it's fueled by in particular population growth. You know, we happen to live in a country where it's very attractive to upwardly mobile immigrants. If you're an upwardly mobile immigrant right now, and you're looking at the state of the world and you want to move your family to a country, then the country you want to go to is a country that has stable government, good health care, good education, good infrastructure. We happen to be that country. That's going to continue, right? The, our, our, our country is positioned as a very attractive country for immigrants. So um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be a doomsdayer here, guys, but I'm trying to read the numbers, read the facts and say, if this is what I believe is going to happen and it's probably going to happen, then we have to take action, not just for ourselves, but for our, our in the next generations. So intergenerational wealth is part of what we discuss a lot with our clients because, yes, we need to look after ourselves, but we're going to have to help our kids. Yeah, I don't think all of our kids can be famous YouTubers, unfortunately. that I know they all want to be, but I don't necessarily think that that's a sustainable uh, <laughs> sustainable future either. 
Yeah. Um, well, uh, it's doomsday in a way, but it's also, um, you know, it's almost, almost kind of exciting, I guess, if you're the ones that, if you're, if you jump on things now, there's still lots of time to, to take action and make it, make it happen and, um, and be on the positive side of that. Right. And um, be the one uh, enjoying the, uh, the fruits of that, of owning some property and, in, in somewhat near the, uh, the suburbs here in, in GTA or somewhere of a market. Otherwise you're going to end up in, um, uh, you know, none of it or something somewhere out there. That's uh, maybe not where you want to be. Yeah, and I think yeah, we have to take that action. No offense to none of it, but there's, there's not many people there. <laughs> but yeah, you don't have to agree with what's happening, but you have to acknowledge what's happening. And what's happening is housing's become a commodity. It's not just a place to live. People, that's where people hold their wealth, right? And the future is going to be this future of uh, landlords and tenants. And you have to decide what your children are going to be. Are they going to be property owners or, or, or are they going to be tenants? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of on you. If you're, if you're there in your 30s, 40s, 50s, um, trying to provide for your family, uh, you, in my opinion, you need to buy some property. And let's talk real quickly about the difference between the opportunities that we have here. Um, and I know you're saying it's very tough to cash flow in like, you know, downtown Toronto or whatever, but the majority of us are on the outskirts and we're looking sure. for something where we can get positive cash flow, and that's still possible. And I know you haven't probably been to Australia in quite some time, or at least you haven't like lived there in quite some yeah. time. Um, I remember listening to a podcast out of Australia and just the, the idea behind the way that they look at investing in property is significantly different than what the way that we look at it here. There's no such thing as positive cash flow. Correct. Australian. It's, uh, it's extremely hard. So, I mean, I think that the opportunity we have here is incredible, as well as being in, like you said, all of those things that we have going for us as, as far as infrastructure and stable markets go and all that kind of stuff um, that, you know, we've got a benefit that not everyone has. Yeah, I mean, landing here in Canada 11 years ago, I was coming out of Australia where interest rates were at 7% and you could not find positive cash flow. And here, interest rates at that time were about 3% and positive cash flow was everywhere. <laughs> and I just felt like I'd been running uphill in Australia for the last you know, 10 years and I'm now I'm like, I'm running on the flat. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this, this country has such opportunity. And the thing is, uh, the people, people didn't know this, right? Because they don't know what they don't know. And so again, I made this my mission to try and get it out there and say, people, you don't know how good you have it here. You can buy a house where the monthly rent is greater than the monthly expense, right? Whereas people in Australia are happy to take a $500 negative cash flow and just hope that the taxation benefits and capital gains works out at the, at the end of 10 or 20 years, right? It's a very different approach. You don't have to go that, that extreme here. Uh, and yeah, there's a world of opportunities still available for people who are willing to take action. Well, Dion, thanks so much for coming out and sharing all of this. Uh, greatly appreciated. I think that this is one of the, you know, the most inspiring and information. Okay, great. Actually, well, before I forget, um, I wanted to mention, yeah, I got this event on October 6th at 7.30 p.m. So if you want to drop the link in the description, for whoever's interested, I basically go through the sequence of what people are doing with their money, compare it visually to what, what they could be doing and uh, answer the big three questions that most people have, which is how do I get debt-free, pay for my kids' education, and build wealth for retirement? That's the three questions that I've been talking about for 10 years, right? 
but now we're doing it in webinar format. And uh, whoever's interested, feel free to tune into the Zoom link, uh, which we'll provide you. I would say I would say go one step farther. Invite your your friends or family because it's uh, it's pretty impactful, and it, it it would be a great little gift to give someone to go check that out because it might impact their lives in a, in a massive way. So, or if you've got that joint venture partner who's just not getting it, that's exactly right. That too. Maybe, maybe they're right on the fence and uh, they just need someone to give them a little more insight. This is perfect for something like that. So we're going to have that link in the show notes. We still, I mean, there's going to be plenty of time for you guys to get ahead of this and, and, uh, and plan it out. I think when this comes out, even on the audio format, there's still going to be some time for people to jump on there. So definitely go over, check out the link. It's in the show notes. And, uh, and thanks Dion, man, that was awesome. Thank you guys. Thanks Dion. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Is it this info at Dion? Uh, yeah, look, just look me up. I'm pretty much the only Dion Beg in the world, I think. Uh, so uh, just see my name, Google me, you'll find me. I'm on Facebook. Um, but yeah, check out the website, uh, DionBeg.com uh, or mortgagesbydion.com. Awesome. Awesome. Sandy, how can people awesome. get in touch with you? Uh, Sandy at McKayRealtyNetwork.com would be the easiest way. And people can reach me at rob at mrbreakthrough.ca. Well, thanks, everybody, for coming out again. Really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time.